I'm assuming that you are here today and you come every week because you want to live a good life. You want to live your best life. Is that fair? You want to live a life that is meaningful and truly fruitful. I'm assuming that you want to look back at the end of your life when that day comes and know that you have made a positive impact on others. That in some, some small way, you have left the world a better place. I'm assuming you're those kinds of people. <laughs> and if that's true for you, I want to suggest that it is good for you to be here, that you are in the right place. Over these past three weeks, we've been exploring the mission and the vision of our parish. And I want to finish today by reflecting on why the church is the hope of the world, why it is here that we discover and we step into our fullest and best life. And when I say here, the church, I don't mean the building so much as the church gathered, the body of Christ, journeying together, praying together. I want to start with our gospel because today Jesus focuses in on what is the greatest barrier to living a good and a fruitful life. He's talking with his disciples and he knows that they're about to face persecution and suffering and death. He knows it's coming. Right? But listen, he says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. He says, Bodily death is not your real problem. Bodily suffering is not the issue. He says, fear him rather who can destroy both body and soul in hell. What I want you to notice is that Jesus is talking about two kinds of fear and two kinds of death. Firstly, he's talking about the fear of bodily death. And I'm sure we've all experienced it in some way to some degree, right? We think about death and it's a bit daunting, right? But I'm sorry to say, Jesus kind of disregards that fear. He knows, of course, that there is life beyond our body, this short, brief time we have on earth. Fear him, rather, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What Jesus is saying is that what we should really fear is the darkening and the destruction of our soul, which is that deep, eternal part of us where God dwells. That is by far the worst kind of death. That's what we should fear. When you get to the guts of Jesus' teaching, it's quite confronting. It's somewhat sobering. His basic message is that we are all journeying towards one of only two outcomes, life or death. Our decisions, our attitudes, our priorities, the environments we spend our time in can either awaken the soul to God and to life or darken and eventually destroy the soul, which leads to death. And for St. Paul, this is the great problem that we all face. As he says in our second reading today, there is already a force at work in the world and in our hearts that is darkening our soul and that is undermining our life. And that force is sin. St. Paul says today, sin entered the world through one man and through sin came death. And thus death has spread through the whole human race because everyone has sinned. 
We don't need to look far to see the truth of what St. Paul's saying, right? We keep advancing in knowledge and technology. We keep growing in resources. But yet, our world is still full of injustice. Bitterness, hatred, division. There are so many people who have everything they need but, but are deeply unhappy. It's not a good picture. Paul's point is that there is a genuine reason for fear because sin and death has already entered our world and left to our own devices, there is not a whole lot we can do about it. Our only hope, St. Paul says, is the gift of Christ. He goes on in our second reading, the gift of Christ is, he said, the gift of Christ considerably outweighed the fall. If it is certain that through one man's fall so many died, it is even more certain that divine grace coming through the one man, Jesus Christ, came to so many as an abundant free gift. You know, at one point, Jesus said, in the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's Paul's point to us today. See, there is only... Ultimately, one solution to all of the forces that come against our soul, and that is Christ. It's in Christ that we find the light that overwhelms our darkness. It's in Christ that we find the life that restores us from death. That's why, after talking about who to fear, Jesus goes on to say in the gospel today, but don't fear. He says, this is who you should fear, but don't fear. Because if anyone declares himself for me in the presence of men, I will declare myself for him in the presence of my Father in heaven. Yes, the danger of death is real, but if we put our faith in Christ, if we follow him with our whole heart, then we will share in his victory over death and we will step into our fullest and our best life. We can be sure of that. This is why the church is so precious. This is why it's good for you to be here. You see, God is big enough. God is good enough to work through all cultures and all religions. God can save and redeem those who don't know him or even those, for one reason or another, who have rejected him. God is that good. We can never write anyone off, right? God knows what's going on in people's hearts. But our greatest hope, our surest way to flourishing and to fullness of life is found in a relationship with Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And the surest way that we enter into this relationship and deepen in this relationship with Christ is through his church. It's through his church that we can interpret his scripture and we can learn and understand how to live out his teachings. It's through his church that Christ makes himself present to us, his love and his forgiveness and his life makes it present sacramentally through his church. It's through his church that we are strengthened and supported by fellow believers as we journey together. It's through his church that we work together and we can impact the lives of others and build God's kingdom. Jesus left us his church so that through her we might step into our 
biggest and best and fullest life. And that has certainly been true for me. I'm here today because a local church where I was living up in Sydney was faithfully living out her mission and opened my heart in a whole new way to Christ. When we here at little old St Benedict's Burwood, when we are faithfully living out our mission as a parish, we together are the hope of the world. There are so many great resources out there in the community, yeah? There are really helpful counsellors and therapists and there are coaches and teachers and there are community organisations and sporting clubs and gyms and all, all of these helpful uh, resources. But in a very unique way, this is the place where souls can be awakened and people can step into their best life because this is where we encounter Christ most fully, most deeply, most richly. Over the years, we've received so many stories, people sending emails and calling us and sending letters uh, from around Melbourne and, and different countries around the world sharing how our ministry has impacted them. We've included one in the bulletin today. Beautiful story. 50 years, a guy had left the church because he'd had some bad experiences. He said he came here, someone brought him here, and um, he was so impacted. He said, when I was giving someone the sign of peace, I saw light in their eyes. And two days later, he decided to become a Catholic. Right? So powerful how we can enrich together the lives of others. As I mentioned at the beginning of Mass, if we want our soul to be awakened by Christ, if we want to be used as an instrument of God, there is one key response that God asks for us, and that is to give ourselves as fully as we can to God, The more that we give ourselves, the more that God can give himself to us, the more that he can do in us and through us. And there are so many ways that we can do that. But today on our Stewardship Renewal Weekend, I want to particularly focus on how we can offer ourselves to God through our financial stewardship. We've been leading into this weekend uh, over the past few weeks. And today is our opportunity to consider how we can respond to God with our treasure. Before we do that, I just want to give you two key reasons why financial giving has always been a key dimension of the Christian life. The first one is practical. Our contribution doesn't just pay the bills, the electricity and all that stuff, but it also enhances and expands the mission of Jesus through our parish. Our generosity will help to awaken souls to God and bring people to life. This is the mission that we are all called to. Jesus said it today in the gospel, huh? Shout it from the rooftops. Don't hold it to yourself. We're all called to, to, to carry on the mission of Jesus. And, and one way we do that is through our financial giving. I want to suggest this is the greatest investment you can make. It, the dividends are eternal, yeah? When someone comes to life, when someone comes to Christ, that's, that's a big dividend. <laughs> it lasts forever. The second reason why giving has always been part of the, the Christian life is because it's an important way that we grow spiritually. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. 
because we derive so much security from our finances, when we give to God first, when we give generously, it becomes a very powerful and important way that we give ourselves over to God and affirm where our true treasure is, who it is that we put our ultimate value and trust in. It's very practical, very tangible. We can say we trust God with our words, but it's very different when we put our trust with something that's so precious to us. Today, I want to offer um, two ways that you can respond to our Stewardship Renewal Weekend. The first is, if you're not already a registered giver, uh, to, to jump on, join the family. Uh, there are so many people that have joined us over this past year, so I, I think there'd be quite a number of you who can make this response. Very simple. Um, there's a, a pledge card uh, on your pew, or if you've got uh, one of these, you can, you can fill in the pledge card online. Uh, bring it next week if you want, or if you want to, um, you can also uh, hand it in today at the back on the way out or, or in the collection basket. So that's one way you can respond if you're not already a regular giver. The second, if you're already uh, giving regularly, is to consider increasing your gift over this next year. One of the questions that people sometimes ask is how much? How much does God want me to give him? <laughs> uh, and the short answer to that is there's no clear instruction that I'm aware of, but there are some biblical principles. I want to give you a few. Um, you know, whenever we hear about giving in the scriptures, uh, whether it's giving to the temple or giving to the poor or giving to the church, uh, here are two key principles that we, we see at play. Firstly, is to give God First, give to God first. Give to God your best. Don't give him scraps. That's the only gift that God is, is worthy of, right? Our first and our best. In the Old Testament, uh, God's people gave their first 10% of their crops or their animals back to God. We call, they called that a tithe, yeah? Recognising that, that everything that we've been given is from God. And so, God, I give you this first portion back. That was an act of worship. In our house, uh, me and Father Cam and the others, that's our commitment, that whatever income that is donated to us, we, we give 10% of that on. In the New Testament, there's not so much of a focus on tithing, but the principle really is around generous giving. And, and the, the word that the church often uses is to give sacrificially, which means that we're, we're so generous to God that we deny ourselves of some other luxury. It's our way of putting God and God's people and God's purposes before our own um, kind of desires, we might say, luxuries. So there are a few principles. Another thing you might consider is how much you spend on other items every week. Sort of tally up how much you spend on coffees and uh, entertainment, eating out, gym memberships, that kind of stuff. And then just sort of compare. Compare your investment in those things with your investment in the mission of the church. And you might just ask yourself, what does that say about what I value? What's most important to me? Another suggestion uh, which has been around since before my time here is uh, that you could dedicate your first hour of work each week to God, to give your first hour of salary to God. If you're working full-time, that equates to about 2.6%, right? If my maths is right. But I think that's a really practical way of putting God first in your life, to say, God, okay, I, I dedicate this first hour of my week to you. 
Thank you for everything you've given me, all my opportunities. Most importantly, though, I want to encourage you to pray. Everything that you have belongs to God. You are just stewarding it for just a, a little while while you're roaming this planet. So ask God to guide you in your giving. You see, in the end, it's not even really about the impact that your generosity will have. It's about being faithful and generous steward of all that God has given you. Hello, Father Dan here. If this homily has been helpful, there are a few things I'd love for you to do. Firstly, subscribe to this podcast or share this episode with someone who might find it helpful. And consider also helping us to expand our mission and reach out to more people by donating at stbenedicts.com.au forward slash donate, or you can click on the link in the podcast description. Thanks so much for joining us and have a blessed week.